0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please take your Bibles and would you turn to 1 Samuel 15. That's the first passage that we're going to be uh, turning to and looking at, though I'll have us consider some other passages uh, before we get there. We've been looking at the protocols for prayer. There's a right way to approach the Lord. He's prescribed it. Uh, He's defined that. And admittedly, as we look at these each week, there's a lot of information here. There's a lot to consider when we go before our Lord. And so I want to encourage you to go back and review what we've already studied. You can get back on our website and uh, review these messages, uh, take some notes, and as you review and meditate, it's just going to become uh, part of your thinking as you go to the Lord. But it needs to be part of our thinking as we approach our God. No one in the universe deserves absolute exaltation but our God, right? He deserves it. In fact, he made us to give it. Yet he condescended to pursue us. We talked about how he pursues, Sunday morning how he pursues us. You realize oh, a couple different times in the scripture, this earth is referred to as his footstool. Okay. And yet, he is fixed in his mind on what is happening here. I don't believe that there are life forms on all kinds of planets in the galaxy. I believe his attention attention is right here. And how did he stoop? Well, Jesus, the God-man, Philippians 2, 7, and 8 reminds us, "...made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, which already required humility." But the humility then continued, "...he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." There are many things that we do know from Scripture about his dying there was very humiliating. I don't know that I've ever had anybody spit in my face. I hope that's not an experience that I ever have. But if you have had that happen, how humiliating. And then for... Soldiers and religious leaders to mock who you really are. And you proved it. For three and a half years you proved it. And for them to mock you and then for them to strip you and suspend you between heaven and earth you talk about humiliation. But that's what the God man did for us. Harold Vaughn, we're using him as a resource in this series, though I will confess I have gone away from that, uh, that resource. It's, it's a wonderful resource, but as I've been studying, meditating on it, I've been taking us other directions, too, as God's worked in my heart. But he did say this uh, in his book, Majesty bore our misery that he might redeem us from the curse of sin. He, the highest, took the lowest position at Calvary. Now he calls his praying children to follow him in a life of humility. Now he humbled himself. We should be humbled by him. Right? When you consider what he's done for us, The problem is this. There is one area where we are like the devil more than any other. We too have the noxious vice called pride. Do you ever struggle with pride? I do. I have no reason to be proud. (laughs) But I struggle with it. In fact, I can be proud that sometimes I feel like I'm humble. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm doing pretty good. No, no, no. C.S. Lewis called pride an anti-God state of mind. Pride not only denies God, it also defies God. The outward fruit of sin is always rooted in pride. You realize that when you sin, you have had to decide God is not worthy of your obedience and you don't have to obey. That's pride. Pride changed angels into devils and made innocent humans accusing sinners. There was nobody walking around in the garden that was innocent. But as soon as they're challenged on their sin, and, and these are, are humans that lived in perfect harmony. What was their first response? He did it. She did it. The snake. The middle letter of S-I-N is what? Uh, <laughs> That That's perfect, because that is the problem. It is I. And so the next protocol of prayer is the humility protocol. It should be obvious on its face that humility is imperative to entering God's presence. I don't deserve to go there. There's nothing that I have to offer when I get there but praise to God for what He has done in me, not what I can offer Him. So let's look at the humility protocol tonight. As we begin, I think it best to let Scripture define pride for us. Now let's just do a little review from Romans chapter 12. All of us, many of us, have memorized Romans 12:1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And what? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you can prove, flesh out, what is the perfect will of God. And I left out a word there. Acceptable. Perfect will of God. Thank you. Okay, But you know that the enablement for that is found in Romans 12 and verse 3. And I'm going to give it to you tonight. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. What's that talking about? Pride will cause you not to be able to do verses 1 and 2. All right? You need grace. And that grace comes as you, the measure of faith, as you depend on the Lord. But I want you to take a close look. The word translated in our Bible, to think more highly. It's actually uh, two Greek words that have been joined together. Hooper, fronane, all right? Hooper means over. Frontane means to think. To think over or to think beyond where you should be thinking. It means to think beyond what is really true. You know, every time I think I'm somebody, it's not really true. Because <laughs> I'm not. It means to overthink our own value. Again, Harold Vaughn points out, quote, Pride seeks credit where no credit is due. In fact, pride believes that we ourselves have accomplished what God and others have accomplished in us, end quote. I'm reminded of the passage where the Lord says, What do you have that you have not? Received. Okay? And so, if anything good comes out of this life, it's the work of God through me. And it is also the work of God through others who influenced me. In my devotions from time to time, I'll just think back to the lives that impacted my life and I give praise. Not to them, but to God for using them. Now you're in 1 Samuel 15. Here is a negative example of what we're talking about. You'll remember that Samuel had to confront King Saul. And in 1 Samuel 15, we begin reading in verse 17. Samuel said, this is after Saul had disobeyed the Lord. He was to slay all the Amalekites, their king, destroy their herds, their flocks. God had given a clear command. Samuel said, "'When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel?' And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then, didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Now this is complete denial and pride. Because what he's going to say isn't even true. Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Hmm. And have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek. So you just contradicted yourself, Saul. And have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people. Remember back to the garden? What does pride do? It points fingers away from me. But the people took of the spoil sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. I don't think Saul even had the courage to say, The Lord my God. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams." For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. I want you to remember what he says to Samuel, because we're going to see this again at the end of our study tonight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again uh, with me that I may worship the Lord. All that verse 25 is saying was, was Saul sincere. We hope he was sincere. But I believe, as I've studied this text, I think what he was doing was just trying to save face. More pride. All right. So the focus of this study is prayer. Prayer. And the key to admittance into heaven's throne room is cleansing. And we've studied the cleansing protocol, right? And, of course, as Christians, we understand that first. Our admittance really came when we admitted to God we were sinners and we received Jesus Christ as Savior. Now we're kings and priests with God. Now we have access because we've been justified. Jesus' blood has been applied to us. We're clean in the sight of God. But real cleansing also requires humility. So I think the cleansing protocol, the humility protocol, do go together. By the way, there's no one in this room tonight who is saved, and you probably didn't even think about this when you trusted Christ, but it did require some humility. Maybe you did think about it. But you had to humble yourself. You had to admit some things that weren't so pleasant about you. And I had to do the same. So humility is not just an attitude we choose to have. Humility requires proper thinking. And I'm just going to give you three areas tonight quickly. First of all, humility acknowledges the truth about ourselves. Proud people have a difficult time agreeing with the truth, especially when it comes to them. When you fail someone, it's hard to admit it. Sometimes. But a humble person admits it. What, what do we have to prove? Really, what do we have to hide? Admit it. Consider this next statement. You can't approach God or please Him unless you are real about the real you. By the way, this is the reason that some Christians struggle to pray. Because when they pray, they know that God knows the real them. But that's even more reason to pray. Just come humbly before God. God, here is who I am. I acknowledge it. Lord, I need you. Confess what is needed. Make right. And then pray. Now, pride blinds people to their true condition. And our tendency is to cover our sin. Brother Taylor quoted this verse Sunday night in his closing comments, Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. When an individual covers sin, it's pride. Now, you've experienced this with your children You ever had one of those sessions where it took some time to get the truth out? What was the issue? Pride. And perhaps consequences. Okay, but we we don't want to admit that. But God gives grace and cleansing to those who will humble themselves and tell God the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. By the way, is he searching for the truth? Or does he already know it? Okay, I, I smile the ways that my siblings and I tried to hide the truth from our parents. Well, we discovered that they already knew. Remember one time, my brother, I love my brother, but I remember one time. That he forged a note to our teacher. I think he was in third grade or fourth grade. Double space cursive to the teacher. Trying to excuse him from not having his homework done. And then my wonderful brother signed it Mom. <laughs> All right, well, it wasn't hard to figure out who that letter was from, that note. We laugh, right? But how many times do we go before God and we try to pretend to be something we're not? He knows. And so again, number one, it's so important that humility acknowledges the truth about ourselves. Number two, humility acknowledges the truth about God. We've already alluded to that. From his throne God sees all and knows all there is to know about you and about me. You've heard the expression has it ever occurred to you that nothing has occurred to God? He already knows. I've been touched with that passage in in Genesis where Hagar is forced to leave the family of Abraham and Sarah and she's In the wilderness, and I've I've driven through that wilderness on a bus. Uh, It's wilderness. and She's under a tree. Uh, She gets away from Ishmael, who is dying, and she she just can't watch what's what's inevitable. And then God comes and ministers to her. And, And her response in that wilderness is this, Thou, God, seest me. I can be abandoned, I can be rejected, I can be in a wilderness, I think death is imminent, God sees. And God sees us. Habakkuk though, 1.13, Habakkuk says that he, our God, is pure, uh, uh, is of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot, canst not look on iniquity. He's not going to look on us in our sin if we're not right with him. Yet he will look on a humble, cleansed sinner. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. The character you choose to have or that you lack will never change the character of God. I don't, I don't choose who I want to be and then come into God's presence and think God has to accept what I think I want to be. I have to be what he requires. So acknowledge the truth about God and what you know him to be. What a relief it is though to bow before the Lord without pretense. Consider this example. I love the contrast between Saul who had to be confronted and King David who had to be confronted. Would you join me? Go, let's go over quickly to Psalm 51. Now understand, our tendency is to be proud. For a whole year, David, in his pride, tried to cover what he had really done. A whole year. Somebody says, well, they only got right because there was a confrontation. Was it genuine? You know, the Bible never questions whether David was genuine. To be honest, the Bible never questions whether Saul was genuine, at least early on. But after a year, Nathan the prophet is sent by God to confront. And what do we learn? God had seen it all. And God told Nathan what had happened. Now, consider in Psalm 51, David's repentance psalm, what he says. Look at verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against thee Thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Now there's something else that David acknowledges. Lord, you've seen, you know. But you know, God, what he says, is going to come to pass. And this is what David admits. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. He has spoken, what you sow, you will reap. So that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Now drop down to verse 6. Behold, thou desirest what in the inward parts? Honesty, which requires humility. Do you know why David sinned? He wasn't honest. The Holy Spirit did live in David. And when he was carrying out and entering into that temptation, the Holy Spirit was speaking. The truth was there, but David turned from the truth. And in the hidden parts, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Now, go down to verse 12. Here's the wonderful truth that when we're honest and we're humble, David knew this because he had experienced the joy of the Lord before he fell into his sin. And in faith, he believes, God, if I'll make things right with you, I will get that joy back. And notice what he prays. Restore unto me, verse 12, the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. When David made right with God, a hundred pound weight got lifted off of his heart. And so humility acknowledges the truth about God. Finally, notice that humility rejects the temptation to compare self with others. We need to... Humbly be honest about ourselves we we need to humbly acknowledge what we know to be true about God but we also need to humbly admit recognize that we're tempted to compare ourselves with others Pride always involves comparison let me explain We want to be liked don't we Okay I'll be honest I do We want to be accepted. We want to be appreciated. And in the household of faith, we want folks to think we walk with God, whether we're walking with God or not. Isn't that true? Especially if you are part of a mature assembly of believers. Now, there are assemblies where there's There's not much out there as far as an example because of the worldliness and so on. But if you're in a church where there are growing saints who who understand the scriptures and are seeking to walk with God, when you're not walking with God, you don't want others to think you're not walking with God. Am I right? Okay. That's not humility. We all fail. We sin. And our tendency is to cover it up. Probably where we struggle with this the most is at home. With people who know us better than our church family does. And this is why it's so important as parents that you are humble before your children. You say, I am so tired of saying to them, dad messed up, mom messed up, I was wrong, will you forgive me? Yes, but that, is, that can be so used of God, other, or the alternative is for your failings for you to be proud and not ever admit it. And that is devastating in a Christian home. So humbly acknowledge and have the spirit of John the Baptist. What did he say? John 3.30. They kept trying to exalt John. He must increase. I must. I must decrease. So let's conclude. Two times in our New Testament, James 4.6, 1 Peter 5.5, we have the same words from the Holy Spirit. And those words are these. God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. To the humble. Do you know what that word resist means? It means that the Lord lays siege to the proud. That's powerful. If you look over your battlements and God is out there against you, until you surrender you will not succeed. So God resists the proud, but he gives grace to those who are humble. And so the verse that I think best helps us understand the humility protocol is found in Psalm 95 and verse 6. So come, let us worship and bow down. When we worship the Lord, when we enter His presence and we're to do so with a clean heart, there's got to be humility. Uh, If we're going to enter His presence and really praise Him, there's got to be humility. Bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. I've heard discussions preachers talk about, should you kneel when you pray? Well, part of that has to do with the condition of your knees, and if you're going to need help getting back up, all right, just be practical here. But you know what? Our hearts, our hearts and our heads ought to be bowed as a reflection of what is really here a clean and humble heart before a God. And the scripture tells us all things are naked and open unto him with whom we have to do. And so, your preacher is going to fail you, I'm going to stand here, and I'm, I'm not even going to be able to read prayer request forms that are, you know, right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll misread those, and, and so on. And, and, you know, let's just be honest and humble about our weakness. Now, that doesn't mean that you should open your mouth and talk about every spiritual failure you have right now. Scripture also says a fool utters all his mind. But when we have failed someone else, private sin, private response before the Lord, but when we have failed someone else we need to go to them quickly. Admit it. I was proud. I was insensitive. I was uncaring. I said this. I don't know if it hurts you or not, but doesn't matter, I shouldn't have said it It was wrong, will you forgive me? And that needs to be the atmosphere among God's people and a local assembly like this. And it needs to be our heart as we go before our God. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus and for his example of humility. Thank you for the example of humility by John the Baptist, his forerunner. Lord, even with the failings of saints in the Old Testament like David, our hearts are encouraged that, Lord, you were quick to forgive. And, Lord, you use David again. Lord, we deceive ourselves if we're thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And so I would pray for myself, Lord, and my dear brothers and sisters in Christ here, Lord, help us to humbly acknowledge who you are, humbly acknowledge who we are. And Lord, help us not to fall into the trap of comparisons. When we compare ourselves, among others, Scripture says we're not wise. And so Lord, just help us to walk with you and work mightily through us, not for our glory, but for yours. In Jesus' name, amen.